E-Appliances and Air and Water Solutions is dedicated to serving the unique needs of the plumbing, heating, and ventilation and air conditioning industry. GE has launched a robust product portfolio that includes water heaters, water filtration, commercial HVAC, ductless, and ducted HVAC. The GE team is focused on putting the pros at the center of our business by delivering an iconic, trusted brand that is easy to sell, an innovation that makes installation easier, and dedicated to support that makes doing business simpler. At GE, we call this being pro-centric. To learn more and request information about GE, go to geappliancesairandwater.com. That's geappliancesairandwater.com. has been in the HVAC industry for 23 years after having been self-employed in the asphalt industry. He started as a pre-apprentice and slowly worked his way up through the ranks of project manager, estimator, assistant service manager, service manager, and now general manager of service operations at Hill York, an MCOR company. Scott is passionate about this trade and the industry and loves helping people reach their highest potential. Welcome, Scott. Good morning. Mark Madison here on Books and People. Today, I'm excited about our guest, Mr. Scott Adler in Florida. How are you, sir? I'm fabulous, Mark. How are you today? <laughs> Sound as a pound, good as gold, right as rain. So I had to go back into my contacts to remember how and where we met. And I think it was Western Michigan MCA 2011. Does that sound right? That sounds very right. Yeah. Man. Okay. You keep good notes, my friend. Dude, where did the time go? I mean, come oh, on. Man. I have no idea. It so, goes, goes by very quickly, though. When we're young and having a good time, time flies. When we get older, it flies whether we're having a good time or not. <laughs> right on. So where did you, where were you born? Where did you grow up? Uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan. Born and raised. Um yeah, that's kind of, I left for a while, went to Florida and managed to find my way back there and eventually wound up back here again. You just like saying Kalamazoo, don't you? Because it has, just rolls off the tongue. It, it, that's where I'm from. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, yeah, yes, there really is a Kalamazoo. So I know, it sounds like a made up name, like Walla Walla, well, Washington. Uh, that, that, was, that was their slogan back in the day. What was the slogan? Yes, there really is a Kalamazoo. Oh, right. Yeah, it's not a made-up name. Yeah, of course. Yep. Now, what did your parents do? Uh, so my dad worked for Upjohns. Um, he was he started out in the maintenance department and worked his way through. Um, and one of, when he retired, he was a pipe fitter in the um, with their with their internal department. So, so blue collar guy kind of worked his way up the ladder. Yeah, yeah, he was a guy that could fix anything. So, um, and then yeah, my mom was a hairstylist, uh, her whole career. So yeah, she did everybody's hair. Did in high school? Did you play sports? Um, a little bit. Uh, played a little bit of football. Played on the golf team. Um, that's about it. I was never really great at any of them, though. I was too busy being cantankerous and things like that. <laughs> well sowing wild oats i think it's called something like that <laughs> yeah 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 so what happened after high school 
Um, man, I kind of floated around a lot. I didn't do a lot of great things. Um, yeah, I, I moved to Florida with no plan at all. I uh, wound up that didn't work out. Obviously I got down, down here and didn't really have enough knowledge or friends or support to really make anything work. Uh, I found myself struggling, wound up going back up North bounced around. I mean, I worked all kinds of crazy jobs and crazy shifts, you know, doing, I, I counted up one day. I had like 22 jobs from the time wow. I, from when I was in high school through, and then before I got started doing what I do now. By a process so, of elimination, you figured out what you didn't want to do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, but I will say it got me a very good education how to, how to maneuver like different people and different trades and, you know, everything from factory work and loading trucks and yeah. I mean, cleaning bars at night, you know, working security at the local um, event center and just crazy stuff. So met so a lot you of were good. Really, you were really drifting. You were just trying to figure out where you belonged. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of times I held, you know, two or three different small jobs at the same time too. So yeah, it was just, that was just kind of, I guess what I did. I, I didn't really think anything of it at the time, you know, I guess. Right. I didn't really have any direction, but I knew I had to keep moving. So. So you kind of followed in your dad's footsteps in terms of working with your hands, right? You started as a tech. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So walk us through that process. So, so I was at the time I was kind of self-employed. Um, I was doing some asphalt stuff, um, things like that. I'd been doing that for a few years and just realized, you know, talking to my wife and, you know, we were just actually, she was my girlfriend at the time. We were talking about getting married and settling down and doing all the things and kind of just occurred to me, like, you know, I need something, you know, with, with like a real job with like benefits and, um, you know, maybe, maybe a chance of retirement someday. And, uh, yeah, I, I applied to a couple of different places, plumbing outfits and all that. And, um, I wound up, I was kind of striking out. I wasn't really getting any callbacks. I was trying to get into the union. Um, they were accepting applicants at the time and, um, just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And, uh, this guy named Marv, I was talking to my wife, um, Kitty at the time was talking to her and he overheard me talking about my dilemma. Like I'm trying to find a thing. And he overheard us. We were at where she worked at this little breakfast restaurant and he just looks up. He's like, you want to start tomorrow? I'm like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I said, doing what? He goes, it doesn't sound to me like it much matters from what I just heard. Oh my gosh. An eavesdropper stepped in. Yeah, well, I mean, Mar I knew Marv, right? Like, but I didn't really know what Marv did. I just knew he was always he was always on the phone. He was always in the restaurant. Well, it turns out he was a project manager for a large mechanical company. Um, yeah, and he's he gave me an address. He told me to be there tomorrow. We filled out the paperwork, and I started. Yeah, literally at the bottom. My first three weeks there, that uh, we just finished up a uh, dual fuel generator uh, build out, and. Um, they handed me the biggest ladder I'd ever seen in my life, the biggest box of rags I've ever seen in my life, and a case of uh, so a pallet full 
of spray stainless steel cleaner. And they literally told me, you start at the top of this generator, you scrub this thing till you get to the bottom. So <laughs> that's, that was my, my introduction to the trades was some post-construction cleanup on a grand scale. So you left behind <laughs> screeds, rollers, and dump trucks. <laughs> right. <laughs> Are you impressed so, that I knew what a screed was? Yes, I am. Not too many people do. <laughs> well, to be honest, my first consulting client was Lakeside Industries, the largest paving contractor in Washington State. Nice. So I got to ride on in dump trucks and on screeds and rollers, and I got to do all that stuff. It was it was actually nice. pretty cool. Yeah, it is. It and, is and it's fun. a it's a fascinating business when you think about because we take for granted the roads we drive on, right? Yeah. Until you see an operation like that in in full bloom, it's pretty impressive what what we take for granted when we drive our cars across asphalt. That is true. Yeah, I didn't actually do the asphalt. I did seal coating, crack filling, patching, and uh, painted the lines for parking. Sure, kind of the after the after yep. work. Yeah, yeah. I was I was in tight with all the guys though that did the actual paving. So yeah, that's funny. It's um. So this some guy in a diner named Marv said, "Here, here's your opportunity." So you started yeah. at the bottom, scrubbing and cleaning. Then what happened? I just slowly kept working up. You know, I mean, actually, about a year after that, they laid me off, and then I thought I was done. Right? I'm like, oh no. And then yeah, a couple months later, a couple months went by, and they brought me back. And um, yeah, I just when I think that was my wake up call. when they laid me off. And I'm like, I can't ever let that happen again. So that's when I really took upon myself to get serious, right? Like I, I dove in with both feet. I was going to classes at night. Um, yeah, I mean, just I, I, I became so hungry for knowledge that yeah. I just couldn't stop then. So yeah, and then I just, I just kept working. I, I, I'm not smarter than anybody else. I'll tell you that much. But I outworked them all. Right. You know, I was. A, I'm I'm the first to show and the last to go. I call that Philo, first in, last out. Yep. Yep. That's that's I still am. <laughs> well, and you know, the thing is, I've known you for a long time. And you along the way, I this is a theory I have that no one gets promoted. We get bigger than our job and we get lifted up. I, Somebody I that's willing that. to show up early, stay late, go to class at night, work hard, have a great attitude is gonna get promoted. But but they get lifted up. We get bigger than our job, and that as as you look back on your career, that's literally what happened for you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I just you know when opportunity was available, I I I've, I'm going to be honest with you. I've never applied except for when I when I changed jobs between the company I started with and where I'm at now is the only time I applied for a job. Right. Other than that, it's just been, you know, hey, you're the, you know, we want to give you this opportunity. Are you interested? Right. And you know what it's, yeah. it comes down to? Saying yes to every yeah. request. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what's the worst that's going to happen? How does somebody get a big office job? You know, it's like, you just get bigger where you are. Start where yeah. you are. Yeah. I, I was the same way. I started selling service agreements while I was a third year apprentice. And I thought about getting a part-time job and I thought, well, wait a minute, if I could, if I could sell X amount of service agreements and they'd pay me some kind of commission, uh, I could augment my income that way. Cause we had a baby and a, and a mortgage and 
you know, I was hungry just like you. What? So the mystery of when the light comes on for you, it came on and it's just never been off since. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think the light just changes, right? Like, cause the, the light was, you know, back then that, that light that came on was that quest for learning an industry, right? Like right. learning how to fix all the things. And I think now that light is the quest for understanding people and how to manage them and how to be better at business. You know, I, but, but yeah, I, I think, I think you have to keep changing and evolving though, too. Like right. that, that light needs to stay on and the hunger needs to stay there, but you have to know how to maneuver. Yeah. It's, it's really honing your work specific skills until you got the technical side down and then shifting gears and saying, okay, 80% of the problems I have are interpersonal and focus on communication and relationships. Correct. Right. And you, you got really good at that. So walk us through your ascent. So you started by screaming stainless steel generator. Then <laughs> where did you go from there as you ascended up the ladder? Uh, yeah, then they start. So um, there was a time uh, a man named Rick Brovold. He um, he's kind of started joking around about, hey, I want to get you in the office and and one day we were, I was walking through the office, you know, I was out, I was in between service calls and he saw me and he's like, Scott, I'm like, what's up, man. I had jug of 22 in each hand. I'm on my, I'm, I'm in go mode. And he's like, Hey, you ever thought about running the service group? I'm like, I, yes, Rick, whatever you need. <laughs> and I thought he was just kidding around cause he was pretty stressed out. So right. I just kind of, I just left. And a couple months later he called me and he's like, Hey, so here's what I need you to do. He goes, remember that conversation we had? I'm like, I don't know if that was really a conversation, Rick, but <laughs> so, it was a passing comment. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of what I thought. And uh, so he's like, Hey, I'm going to have you start just helping me with some stuff. I'm like, all right, whatever you need. And uh, so he had me start stripping off prints, estimating jobs. Uh, we had a couple of projects coming up. He had me run those in the field. And um, he was just kind of, he was kind of testing me out, seeing what I could do and just slowly feeding me stuff. And then eventually he got to a point, he's like, Hey, I'm going to need you to come in the office. And that's actually probably within two weeks of when I met you. So like, cause I, I was still in a van, like at the time, I don't, I don't know if you remember when we first met or not, but I do. Yeah. You, you asked me, um, what is it that I do? And I, and I started rambling off all this stuff, you know, because I didn't know, like, like I was so lost at the time. Right. Like, like I, I knew, like, I, I, I didn't even know what my job description was, let alone what I was doing. And, um, yeah. Well, and you I, you and were in a transition from, period though. You were getting ready to hang up your tool belt, but you were doing this other stuff kind of part-time and he was probably just testing you to see if you could handle the load that he was taking off of his shoulders onto yours. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and honestly, that was, a, that was meeting you was at the absolute right time in the right place. And it was the, it was exactly what I needed right then. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't even going to go to that thing that, uh, <laughs> was and, it um, mandatory or was it? No, uh, no, 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 no. So Rick was, <laughs> Rick was mad at me <laughs> and I, and this, and this happened and, um, him and I had gotten into it about something, not really gotten into it. Right. But we were, 
he was trying to push me and I was kind of like nervous about giving up some stuff. And I found out about this and it was a way to get out of the office for a couple of days <laughs> or a day. Well, or he whatever. was asking you to stretch your comfort zones and it was uncomfortable. Yes. Yep. And then I, so then I went up there and then, you know, you kind of did the same thing, but it woke me up and um, yeah. then I'm like, all right, I got to take this side of things seriously. I got to, I got to start giving everything up, you know, and that's yeah. exactly what Rick was asking me to do is he was like, you've got to give it up. You've got to stop getting in the van. He's like, yeah. you just, got, he goes, you got to give up your uniforms. You got to give up the van. You got to give up the accounts. You got to, you got to, you can't keep doing both. So you got to let go brother. Yeah. You know how he fixed me finally. I'm, I'm waiting with bated breath. <laughs> I, I just remember, I remember how hungry you were when I met you, but please go ahead. <laughs> so I was still in the van. Right. And I had, I went off for surgery for a couple of weeks and I woke up one morning and uh, my, there was a text message on my phone. that said, the keys are in the gas cap. And I'm like, what? And it's from Rick. So I go downstairs and my van is gone and there's a brand new uh, Chevrolet pickup truck sitting there. Oh, and wow. uh, yeah, he's like, you know, that was just his way of, you know, saying no more. You're done. You're done. You're with the all, tools. You're all in the all office. Out. Yeah. So that's great. The keys are in the <laughs> <laughs> oh and so from there what happened because i remember talking to you in the parking lot and asking you about you know how many guys do you do you oversee i think you had 20 or 25 at the time uh and i think we only had like 12 okay um, that that group was a, it, it was it was interesting because it, it had shrunk terribly through covid or not covid um through the depression Right. You know, or the recession or whatever you want to call that. From right? 09 to 12, probably. Yeah. You know, like we'd gone from like 28 to eight at one point. Right. And really took a beating. It was down to just a few of us. And um, yeah, like it, it we've been through at that point in time, I think Rick was our eighth service manager in six years. Mm, that's a revolving it, door. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah. I mean, we just every people would come, they would change everything and then they'd be gone. And so it's just kind of down to just a few of us. And we're but like, I, I guess the reason I said yes to this whole thing was who's next, right? Like it's, it's somebody's got to do this and somebody's got to care and somebody's got to be part of the solution. And if it's not me, they're going to hire somebody from who knows where again. Right. Right. Oh, and Rick was just a stopgap. He actually had a full-time job, but he, he was nice enough to take on the service group to kind of save it. It was kind of a sinking ship at the time. So, yeah, and then from so there. Took on that new responsibility, and then yes. what happened then? What was the next um, step up the ladder? Well, so my thoughts back then about success. So to me back then, success was growth. Like I had to prove to them that we could make money and grow. Cause at the time I was losing money. Right. Um, so that's what I said about doing. And we did, we grew and we, get, when we started making money and got kind of my bearings, my feet about me, but what I, what I didn't know then is how important like culture was. So we had, we had some issues that, you know, like we're going to hold us back no matter what. So I guess that was kind of the next thing is just to really just fully immerse myself into the business 
Um, I mean, I was doing everything from quoting jobs to running jobs to making sure the business was running to going out and kicking off jobs. I was, I was like doing too much on the getting things done part. And because I didn't really know what I didn't know. Right. Um, but that, meanwhile, this ladder you went through pre apprentice, apprentice, mm -hmm. project manager, estimator assistant service manager, service manager, and now general manager of service operations at yes. Hill York at MCOR. So you literally got bigger than your job at every turn. Yes. And now how many guys report to you? What are your responsibilities? I've got, I mean, directly, I mean, as we've got almost a hundred technicians, I've got the dispatch team of that's nine people in dispatch. And I've got the, south florida warehouse that's another five or six guys um that's a big operation yeah yeah and you have financial responsibility as a gm you have fiduciary responsibility for for profit and loss yes so i cfo hates it when i say this is i don't i don't care about the numbers and um dot I, dot, I, dot. <laughs> Well, so here's the thing about service, right? Like, it, as long as you set your burden, you set your rates in service, as long as it, so you're guaranteed profit, as long as you do your job right. So I learned a long time ago to stop, stop looking at the numbers, right? Like, don't, you got to go through your numbers a couple times a year, right? You need to know what you, what's going on, but you can't live in the numbers because when you live in the numbers, you miss the mark. But when you live in the making sure that your people are doing the right thing and the jobs are getting done well and we're performing and your customers are happy and you're you're taking things to the next level, you make money. You make more money than if you sit there and focus on how to make money. Right. I think it was Ken Blanchard who said, profit is the applause you get from the customer for the service you provide. That That's a very grand way of saying that. Yeah, I, it wasn't my original thought. It was something I borrowed from a mentor. So now you, I mean, that's a, what you just described was a pretty awesome kind of machine, right? That's a whole lot of moving parts in that thing. Yes. So for someone who's listening, and and I've got a wide variety of listeners, somebody, there's a young, ambitious person out there right now who's working with his hands or her hands and the tools saying, I want to move up. What advice would you offer to that young person who's listening? Invest in people. Mm. All, all the people around you, like, and, ne and never ever get bigger than your job, right? Like, well, I, I guess maybe I said that wrong. You can't, you, you still have to do all the things, right? Like you can't, just because you move up doesn't mean that you forget what you were doing. You know, I still change the light bulbs. I still... Right. Do whatever Serving leadership. You, Stay you humble. Know. Yeah. Stay humble and just trust your people. Like, give them the tools that they need to succeed. Right. And let them do their job. And and mentor them. Don't don't micromanage them. Right. Here's what so, I want. Here's why I want it. The house up to you. If you get stuck or frustrated, give me a call. Absolutely. And and yeah. that is how you grow is by not, it's not you that's really growing. It's growing all the people around you 
so they can rise up to their full potential and then they'll bring you with right it's growing people yep and you know i was just having this conversation with um an association in wisconsin and she said well what is it you really do and i said it's soft skills it's interpersonal skills it's communication it's active listening it's empathy it's taking the time to ask the right questions and listen really listen uh solve problems give people choices uh and you know you've gotten bigger than your job along the way and now and so so what's what's next for scott right where do you see where do you see yourself going in say five years trying to work myself out of a job as usual um <laughs> so when you say that how do you mean so i my i i feel like my job is to make myself the most fireable person in the company mm. and that because that means that i've i've raised my people up to be able to to do their job without me right and then i just keep going you know i, I don't but, know as you don't, say that and somebody's listening say, that's scary work myself out of a job what do you mean Oh no! Good people always have work. If right, (laughs) especially if if you've when you bring all these people with you, right? They they're just as much helping you as you're helping them, right? Like my success is no longer my success. My success is everybody else's success. When they're succeeding, I'm succeeding. You know, success success used to be. I I ran in this building. I got the air conditioning running. Everybody's happy. They love me. That's success. Now my success is takes years, you know, instead of hours or days, it now takes years of grooming somebody and helping them along the way to get to their next place. Right. Like Rick did for you. Exactly. Yep. So yeah, that that he, is now he, he kept that. giving you more responsibility till you mastered that le- that next level. Yep, and then I could move on, and I didn't even know it. I don't think you know it when you're going through it. No, you're just too busy doing the stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, but but see, and you're a lot like me. I think the reason we made that connection way back in 2011 was I always had a measure of ambition that was beyond whatever I was doing at the time. Now, I literally remember thinking, you know. I love the question, how do you define success? And when I was a service tech, I remember thinking success for me would be to get out of the service van, be a project manager, have one of those big cell phones that I see people the size of a brick, right? (laughs) Have a cell phone in my car and a clipboard and running a large project. That would be success for me. And that was as far as I could see at the time. But that was real. And I really wanted it. And it sounds kind of shallow, you know, a, a brick phone and a pickup, but that's exactly what happened to you. You know, somebody gave you a pickup. They got you out of the service truck. So, so the question is, what does success mean to you? And I think that's the question both you and I have been asking ourselves pretty much our whole lives, our whole work lives anyway, after your 22 jobs, once you've settled on where you wanted to be, right? You kept asking yeah. the question, what's success mean for me? And that's really just goals. That's really what we're talking about. Of course. So that's that's pretty heavy stuff. So let's go to some lighter fare for a minute. Okay. Sure. Some fun questions for you. I'm ready. All right. Would you rather have an apple or an orange? Apple. Apple. 
uh, on an airplane, window seat or aisle? Aisle. Got long legs. Right? Same. Those window <laughs> guys, too, you never feel like you can leave. You know, oh, sorry, I got to get up. I don't what's know the, where I'm going. <laughs> this is the third time you had to pee. What's going on with your bladder, right? I don't, I don't <laughs> need give me walk. the aisle every time. Yes. Would you rather lose your keys or your phone? Phone. Why? And I hope he's lost. <laughs> I, I I honestly I I could go back to I I could go back to no phones for a while. I had my phone stolen in London in August, and I spent twelve days in England without a phone. It was one of the best things that ever happened to me. Yeah, like so, sometimes I just turn it off. Right, it's intentional. Like and, you know, and I, actually spend time thinking. Imagine that. Yeah. Yep. And I instead and I, of I, reacting. Because you got a yeah. lot of people tugging at your shirt. Yep, I warn everybody. I'll let them know I'm. Hey, I'm. T- I'm going golf, and I'm taking a down day, and I'm turning off everything. Yeah, they'll figure it out. There's a story about Napoleon. Now that the movie's out, he wouldn't respond to his generals for three weeks, and he said he what he figured out was they solved most of the problems because he wasn't available. Exactly. I thought that was interesting. Would you rather get caught singing in the shower or crying in a movie? Oh. Crying in a movie. My voice is terrible for singing. <laughs> uh, well, and uh, what what specific books had an impact on you? Uh, well, Freedom from Fear. So I'll give you that one. Oh, um, I appreciate that. That that was that was just a great book that really woke me up. Uh, again, at the right time, I got it from you that day, and it was the right time to get that book. Right. Uh, good, great. Um, oh, love that book. Yeah, it's that's one I actually assign to anybody who's starting to talk to me about leadership, like wanting more. I I, I actually I find them used on the internet. You know, I always buy the hardcover ones, and I, I sometimes I'll buy you know six or eight of them when I can find them. And um, I, I assign that book to them, and I and I look at it like this: if they're willing to read the book. And I and I asked him to bring me back. I said, I want I, I want your three circles. And I also I read the book at the same time. So if I sign it to them, yeah, then I there's no cheating. It. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So I'll reread it. In fact, I'm rereading it right now. I just handed it out to uh three individuals who are in the process of stepping up their game to the next level, right? My um, favorite but, part of that book is the window in the mirror. So my mine's the flywheel and the doom loop. Oh, interesting. <laughs> well, I, I actually listened to that book and I read it several times, right? Yeah. So there's something about listening to a book. And now what I do is I give my audiences a choice. Would you rather listen to Freedom from Fear or would you rather read it? And it's fascinating. 60% of my audiences raise their hand for listening, not reading. Which tells me that most people would rather listen to a book than read it. I, I mean, I think you got to do both. I do too, That, but that's just me. Because men don't read as a rule. You go to any book signing, right? I went to one, a friend of mine wrote a fantastic book called Racing in the Rain, The Art of Racing in the Rain. And uh, it was made into a movie. And But I went to to support him. I went to a, a book signing he was doing in Lake Chelan. And there were 27 women and one dude, me. <laughs> and I thought, what? where's all the dudes? And the answer, they're not there. Right. Right. Women do most of the reading in this 
which is literally why I, back in the early days when I recorded Freedom for Fear on cassette, that's how long that book's been out. So in closing, you know, the postscript to a letter uh, is almost always the most important part of the letter. And so this is the postscript. So P.S., what else would you want people to know if they're going to succeed in their job? What are three things they need to get good at? The three things, it's got to be work harder than everybody around you. Okay. You've got to absolutely care, passionately care about people. And it's got to be real because they know when it's not. Right. Three. Listen. Uh, two ears, two eyes, one mouth. God's a genius, right? Yep. I know you're a busy guy, and I so so appreciate you making the time to to do this. Do you have any questions for me? I'm always the guy asking the questions and taking the pictures. Um, no, not right now. But you know what, Mark? I I, I want to say thank you. You know, you you've been a good good friend and mentor for a lot of years you know you showed up at the time i needed you and uh i couldn't thank you enough oh that's that's really kind thank you well here's the thing and i appreciate those words i really do but this is something i believe in i laid out the buffet you came back for seconds and thirds so the credit goes to the person doing the eating not the one who's delivering the meal you you know you did the work and you continue to do the work. You continue to get bigger than your job. And, you know, what I heard you saying throughout this whole thing is it's all about the people and transferring what you know how to do to them, the responsibilities. And my new favorite story, and I guess I'll end this thing with the story because I think you'll appreciate it. And I'm almost positive you've never heard this story. Two guys were, construction guys were having lunch and guy number one opens up his lunchbox and he says, oh my gosh, meatloaf again. I hate meatloaf. His friend doesn't say anything, and they finish their lunch. The second day, guy opens up his lunchbox, says, meatloaf again for the love of... He says, I hate meatloaf. And his friend just kind of smiles, and they eat lunch. The third day, guy number one says, meatloaf again. I don't... I think I'm going to go mad. I hate meatloaf. And finally, his friend couldn't stand it. And he said, dude, why don't you just have your wife pack you something else? He goes, my wife, I make my own lunch. <laughs> <laughs> i love that story because guess what i make my own lunch right i'm 100 percent responsible for my actions and decisions yeah, right my mom doesn't work here she's not going to bail me out you know uh, dad's not around it's up to me when i hang um, up to, from this i get to spend uh the next couple of days with two of my granddaughters and i'm wonderful. so excited that's amazing I'm happy for you. Oh, thanks, brother. Hey, thank you so much for carving out the time. I know we'll talk again soon. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and please make it a great day unless you have other plans and keep on the path you're on, brother. You're, you're, remember all the joy you bring to the world. Thank you. You too. GE Appliances and Air and Water Solutions is dedicated to serving the unique needs of the plumbing, heating, and ventilation and air conditioning industry. GE has launched a robust product portfolio that includes water heaters, water filtration, commercial HVAC, ductless and ducted HVAC. 
The GE team is focused on putting the pros at the center of our business by delivering an iconic, trusted brand that is easy to sell, an innovation that makes installation easier, and dedicated to support that makes doing business simpler. At GE, we call this being pro-centric. To learn more and request information about GE, go to geappliancesairandwater.com. That's geappliancesairandwater.com. Thank you for listening. If I struck a chord, inspire you to action, or piqued your curiosity, let me know. Call or text me at 206-697-0454 or send me an email at mark at sparkingsuccess.net. Should you wish to hire me to speak to your organization or association or order one of my books, simply go to my website, www.sparkingsuccess.net. And remember, make it a great day unless you have other plans.